head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 229, part one of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. the Pod God, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts and the Podfather as well, as someone called me during the weekend. I joined today by the Bear Grills of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. And we're recording this on a Saturday uh, afternoon, just because, obviously, Bellator was last night. And uh, we want to get something out on that pretty quickly. So we'll have another podcast this week. So we're getting two podcasts. Um, it'll either be Sunday night, maybe maybe Monday during the, during the day. But we'll have something on uh, tonight's Bellator card, uh, the one over in uh, America and the UFC card and what, whatever else uh, news is. So this podcast is going to be totally Bellator. Just all Bellator, all talking about Bellator all the time. Bellator Dublin, so... Um, anyway, Graham, how are you? How are things? How was your weekend? Yeah, good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good night of fights. Uh, you were there in person. You probably uh, looked like a really good atmosphere as well. Like it looked like uh, it looked like kind of one of them, one of them shows we remember from a few years ago. Yeah, it really was. Like it had, it had the UFC Dublin feel about it. Do you know what I mean? Like that, the atmosphere. You know, the the fights and stuff. We we get into the fights. They weren't. You know, it wasn't that magical night of UFC Dublin, but. You know, the the Will Flory entrance, let's say, the Vincent Henderson entrance, I was surprised, but he got an unbelievable ovation. Obviously, the James Gallagher entrance, Kiefer Crosby got a, a huge entrance as well. And even, like, Mulpeter got some good uh, got some good love as well. The Team Rhino boys, there was a lot of Team Rhino lads there as well. They got some, some love, and, you know, it was it was really an educated crowd. You, you know, that was kind of the one thing that stuck out to me, maybe all week, you know, being at the media day and being at... Um, at, at the fight nights, you know, Vincent Henderson was even talking about it, and he said, like, this is, it's a different sort of fan here, I think it's odd, because because of Conor McGregor and what has happened in Ireland the last few years, the fact that MMA and, and the UFC and stuff has become kind of so mainstream here, I think there's like a very kind of, maybe not a deep understanding, but there's like a, people understand MMA, and they understand how it works, and you know, they understand, because it's, to know McGregor and to understand where kind of what he has done and because there's been so much coverage of him and everything like that, I think it's kind of just gotten into people's psyches and they understand what's going on in the cage. You know, they understand if someone's deep in a rear naked joker and an armbar. If you know if the fight's not a great fight, they kind of understand. I see Vincent Henderson was making that point afterwards, and he was kind of saying it in the in at the media day as well. That there's kind of a buzz. People are excited, but they're excited because they know what to be excited about. Was that kind of? when you're watching it live is that what kind of you got to with the crowd you're watching it live it's, it sounded loud but it's just never the same like yeah. it, sometimes it can be like you're not sure if it's like the the mix the volume mixer that has like has it been really loud or uh, the placement of the mics and stuff like that so when, when you're there you really can make a decision like you know people who were kind, kind of saying oh for example trying to compare UC Dublin to another another event that they weren't at for a crowd noise it's like you need to be at both to compare i think yeah it, it's really hard to compare without because there's a lot of things that can go on in tv production that can make something seem not as it is or slightly less than it is or slightly more than it is yeah look it definitely wasn't you know mcgregor coming out of ufc dublin wasn't that loud you know it wasn't you know although when queely won you know it was it reminded me of kyle binder did it had to be we'll, we'll get to that in, in a second but the yeah, it actually did remind me of Pendred as well. It was <laughs> it wasn't as dramatic. It was still very dramatic, but it wasn't as dramatic as the Pendred one. But uh, it, it reminded me of, of one of one that. one last thing down the atmosphere. We were uh, interviewing Josh Barnett uh, backstage just before Queely walked out, and you know the zombie came on, and as it came on, we could hear it backstage, and just. Like there was like it was like lava of sound coming over us. Like you could just hear it in the background. It's like, oh shit! It's, it's kind of you know it's starting now. And then we we're like, okay, we we'll rushed this scrum over. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Good luck. And we all went out and watched it. And like, as I was walking out, you know, I was kind of in the middle of the crowd because I couldn't get back to the seats <laughs> um, because they were all going mad because zombie was on. And I was stuck in the middle of it. And I made a video. I was like, it was insane. It was like a you know it was like a cauldron of noise in there during that. Obviously a brilliant walkout. You know with uh, the cranberries and zombie and stuff. Uh, and Queely uses that, you know, uses it to his advantage in that fight. But, I, like, that has to be the first thing you say about this card, the, the, the atmosphere, the fans. You know, the last the last fight was, was big, but I think there was maybe, you know, uh, 
maybe 500 to 1,000, not sold. Maybe not that much, you know, maybe three to 500. This time it was packed. There was, you know, there, I, I'd say if you could get 100 more people in there, you'd be doing very well. You know, it was packed to the rafters in there. And, you know, I spoke to Ariel during the week about this and about James Gallagher headlining cards. And, you know, McGregor, he was there, but he didn't really have much to do with the card. You know, he didn't really, he didn't speak about the card. There was no pictures of him training with Gallagher, with Kiefer or anything like that before this fight. This was... You know, this is the new breed of Irish and men. They're able to sell out that arena. And, that you know, we'll, we'll get into the card and the matchmaking and all in a minute. But, you know, we've talked an awful lot in this podcast, obviously, about Irish and men, the health of Irish and men over the last few years. And, you know, maybe in the last while, it's taken a little bit of a turn, you know, with Bellator signing all these Irish guys. With, you know, the likes of Ian Gary coming through and Paul Hughes and Cage Wires and Norman Park is the champion over in KSW and stuff now. I feel like... I feel a bit happy about Irish MMA about now. I, what do you feel like, Graham? Yeah, and it's it's important. It's good to see that. It's important for the sport. It's important for markets looking to come here to see that that like you know it's going to cost extra money to put on a show here, but the fans will get behind you and they'll turn out in their numbers if you put on a good card. Doesn't even like you know, uh, on paper it's a very good card. Like there's some fights, okay, not the best, but on paper it's a very good card, and people appreciate you trying, and people will turn up and support that in Irish MMA. And I think there was always like a hardcore base of a couple of you know a few thousand people who would always kind of be very knowledgeable in MMA or connected to the clubs in some way or things like that but now obviously with the explosion of Irish MMA over the years obviously there's some more hardcore fans and as you said the the people that, that seem to go to these events seem to understand what's happening uh, they're not just going for the, the spectacle or, or here's MMA let me go check that out they're going because they're they're big fans well the majority of them anyway seem to be going because they're big fans of the sport and they, they want to support these guys and watch their journeys and they're kind of they're kind of in the past there was lots of opportunities to go see these guys fight watch their careers progress but now there's maybe one two a year so uh hopefully hopefully the, the how strong the support is in the market and how willing people are to turn up and make, make noise and support these guys will encourage Bellator and other promotions to pay that extra cost to, to come over here and put on shows yeah yeah definitely like i, f- I feel like it will as well you know and KSW, you know, that was kind of their complaint as well about not coming back. But Cage Warriors is coming back now as well, so that might, you know, might might change around. Yeah, but there was but... a really good atmosphere at KSW as well. It was kind of like mainly Polish people as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think at the time the, the KSW was was obviously a big Polish community in Ireland and Dublin especially. So uh, there's all there's that market as well. Like you know, okay, it's going to cost maybe twenty, thirty. I don't know how much extra grand to put it on here, but you can make that back if you put on a good show. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right, let's let's get into the card a little bit here. And uh, James Gallagher, I suppose, in, in the main event, fighting Roman Salazar. And uh, it was funny, I was, I was talking, to, <laughs> talking to his mother last night. I was giving out to her. He only gave me, uh, he only gave me uh, 30 seconds of worth of footage to, to break down here. But uh, she was like, the thing about James Gallagher as well, we, you know, we can't talk too much about the fight, but you've said it before. And I didn't really, I didn't really know it until this week, you know, interviewing him a couple of times and, you know, just seeing him around and stuff. When you do see James Gallagher kind of up close, he's a, a very different person, isn't he? You kind of he, he, like I don't know why, but he just on camera and in interviews and stuff. When you're watching him, he seems a lot different than when you're like standing next to him. Even though not you know not me interviewing him, but me like waiting. I was watching him uh, talking to PT and stuff and, and other people. He just seems a lot more genuine, you know, when when you're standing there. And I don't know what it is, and like his family are lovely people and all, and you know everyone around him seems to be you know right behind him and he seems to have like a great team around him and stuff and it you know when you see James Gallagher and he talks you know about you know I want to be the best in the world and I want to be the best ever I want to eclipse you know all the you know the McGregor Pindreds and all in, in the UFC you think you know maybe you know he maybe he's gone a bit too far and stuff like that and he hasn't proven it yet you know he's 9-1 hasn't fought really the, the high level yet but it's you know which we're living in kind of a changing world now where lads talk like that more and where you know, maybe all curmudgeons like us should be shouldn't be given out about the like likes of him. You know, we live in a. But well, people are willing uh, to put themselves out there. Like yeah. you know, it's it, it is like it is easier just to say nothing because you don't get embarrassed. Like mm-hmm. when he lost to Ricky Bandeas, if he had been a whatever seven and one random fighter who hadn't talked uh, talked himself up, people wouldn't have been like ah in your face you lost you're terrible we told you you take that chance but you take the chance of you take the chance of more success as well. It's 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 obviously a riskier thing to do and a lot of guys don't do it. Yeah, and you see as well, you know, with him... It's a brave thing to do because like, especially when people are criticising you and saying, ah, oh, this, that, and you keep doing it, keep doing it, believe in what you're doing and trust yourself. 
It's funny as well going to Vince. You news, you see guys, you know, like him or an MVP or a, you know, a Kylie or even you know, you know, when they they go and they they look out for interviews, they seek interviews, they want to do, they want to say things, you know, they want to have things to say. Like I always remember Andre Arlovsky at that UFC Dublin. He was just really ignorant to everyone covering it and the fans and everything. He's like, you know, that's how that's how you don't make fans and that's how people like don't like you. But you know, I think Gallagher is very smart in the way he does things. You know, he does his interviews, he says these things, and like. Okay, people mightn't like what he says, but they'll either not like it or they'll love it. You know, he's, I think he is one of those lads, and I think he's gaining more fans, and especially, he said something very smart in the, in the post-fight scrum that, you know, someone said, you have a lot of haters online and stuff, and he goes, yeah, online. How many people in the arena tonight hated me? And he's like, he's right, like, you know, there's nine and a half thousand people or whatever it was, and they were all cheering him, you know, he got a huge ovation coming out. There was no one booing him. There was no James Gallagher haters in that arena, or if there was, they were well drowned out, you know what I mean? So... He, you know, and look, that uh, that might be the healthiest thing either, you know, because you can get taken away with that maybe a little bit, and you know, but uh, it feels like he's he's he wants to move to the next step and wants to move to the next level, and you know, he's talking about just getting back into the gym and improving and going that way, and I, you know, that's the right thing to talk about as well. But you need a combination, I think. Look, if Gallagher didn't do that, if he didn't talk the way he does, he does, he does. He wouldn't be in the position he's in right now. He wouldn't be headlining these cards because MMA is not just the sport. MMA is, uh, you know, sports entertainment. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. You need to talk. You need to, you know, you, you need to be able to, to sing for your supper as well. You know, and it, it really is that. And James Gallagher does that well. And if you're listening to me and go, James Gallagher does it well. He's annoying. I don't like him. Yeah, well, that means he's doing it well. <laughs> you know, but you're still watching him, aren't you? you it means know, you care either way. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have really that Colby Covington kind of hatred either. Like, he has like, the, oh, I don't like the way he's doing it. Not like, oh, this guy is a fucking, why are you like, uh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't have that Colby thing about him. He has like the, he, he, like he, he's a young lad, this young upstart and we don't like, you know, he's kind of old curmudgeons like us, you know, like the Pogba kind of thing has as well. But, you can't deny he's fighting. He's definitely improved. You know, when he signed for Bellator, I said at the time, he needs to make improvements. He needs to get better. He's not ready yet. He's not ready for the big boys. But I think he's getting there. And I think he needs, a, you know, a bit of a step up now. Obviously, he was supposed to fight Kyle Eleanor, which would have been a very, very good fight, I think. Um, you know, his opponent, Roman Salazar, came in and short notice only lasted 30 seconds. So, you you know, you can't take much out of that. And it's unfortunate for Bellator because I think that they did try to give him that step up and maybe would have given him another step up. But, you know... It's his ground game is unbelievable. His submissions are are excellent. You know that fight against Ricky Bendejas, it showed on the feet. He still has work to do. We haven't really seen much since that because his fights have just been almost immediate finishes on the ground. So maybe that's something you know that there might still be a problem there. I'm sure he's not the perfect fighter yet, and he's you know he said that himself as well. But uh, you know, let's see what happens with Gallagher over over the next fight. But what before we get to the other fights as well, what did you think of kind of the matchmaking? I suppose that was a real criticism of this. I thought the matchmaking was like a little bit better for this and then the injuries came and it made it look really bad altogether. What what did you think of him? Yeah, I think they, they, they like obviously in, in most cases they, tr- they tried to give guys a step up and sometimes it didn't work out but you know, uh, for a late notice guy on what a week's notice, I think a UFC veteran isn't like a terrible opponent. It isn't like obviously when you submit the guy in twenty seven seconds or whatever, it looks like oh, of course you can. But that could have been a more difficult matchup. Obviously, we were saying he was likely and probably going to win it, but didn't probably finish it as well. But we didn't expect. I didn't expect twenty seven seconds anyway. Yeah, like I you know, no, you, I, you, you, yeah, like yeah. the guy wasn't exactly you know the the best opponent in the world, but you got to give credit to a pretty near flawless performance. Yeah, look, I, I thought um, I thought it'd be a tougher fight to be honest because Roman Salas is very defensive, but you know, just went in straight away. J- J- Gallagher got a hold of the neck. Uh, he tapped. You know, the referee kind of half stopped it, and then he. Um, well, he, he, did he didn't want Salazar covering James's mouth. Yeah. That was strange. You know, watching it live, I was like, "Oh, is he is he fish hooking him or like, or what?" He looked like he was just covering his mouth to disrupt his breathing. I don't know how effective it would have been. Like, not effective at all, probably. But in that situation, but he should be allowed to do it. Yeah, right? you're you're definitely allowed to do that. I don't know what it was. Maybe someone tweeted me and said uh, he was checking his hand to see if he was still awake. It was like. That's not a good reason. You're you're affecting the fight there. You shouldn't be pulling the lad's hand up to, you know, to stop him. Uh, from, I don't think it was that. Yeah, I don't think it was that either. To be honest, but if it, if that was his excuse, you know, we've seen referees last week like Herb Dean making excuses for each other and stuff. So that could, you know, that could be an excuse they use. But yeah, I just think it was bad refereeing. To be honest, um, yeah, I did. But look, 
it didn't re- make, really make much of a difference anyway. Covering his mouth wasn't going to stop him joking him, I don't think. And, you know, I, I, Pizzi said it last night, the second it was in, oh, that's in. And, you know, you could kind of see it, everyone in the arena knew it was like... And there was a bit, little bit of an anti-climax because, like, fuck it, we want... You know, we kind of want this to go a bit longer. I think everyone was... You know, that big walk out that lasted, like, you know, five minutes and then he comes in and it was over in, like, 28 seconds. <laughs> so it was a little bit of an anti-climax, but not for James Galler and, you know, the fans went, uh, the fans went crazy and stuff as well. But, uh, yeah... <laughs> The other kind of mismatches then, I suppose, uh, Kiefer Crosby versus Hugo Pereira, which on paper was a mismatch, but in in um, in practice wasn't a mismatch at all. It was a very, uh, well, not a very even fight. You know, Kiefer definitely won. He definitely won. I think he won the first. Uh, the third was relatively close. I thought Pereira won the second, but Kiefer, it was probably the right decision for Kiefer to win all right. Yeah, but, you know, he comes in there and... And I asked him afterwards, was it kind of a little bit of an anticlimax? And he was a little bit pissed off. You know, he, it sounded like he was a bit pissed off at us, but I think he was maybe a little bit pissed off at the situation and himself. You know, he wanted to come down to 155 pounds. He wanted his original opponent. Well, you know, he, and he wanted to make his way down to 155 pounds. And he got that DQ in the last, and he said afterwards, he said he kind of fought, maybe not fought a little bit safe, but wanted to be safe just so another situation like the DQ doesn't happen. And, you know, you can... I suppose you can't fault him for that, really. But he needs a step up because he's had, you know, what is it, nine fights now? He's like eight and one or something like that with the DQ. He definitely needs a step up from, you know, the likes of Hugo Pereira. I think over next over next couple of fights, he's on about fighting in in December again over in America. Maybe they can give him someone in America, an American opponent, and then come back to Ireland and fight some. You know, Paul Redmond. How about that? What do you think, Paul Redmond versus Kiefer Crosby at one fifty five in next February? I I just don't think it really makes sense for Crosby. Why not? Um, just because it's, it's a tougher matchup than it would be given credit for. Um, um, I think you could give him a, you could give him his original opponent, or you, you could give him a guy with a with a similar record to his. I think a very experienced, tough nosed guy like Redmond is just an unnecessary risk at this stage. Yeah, it's definitely a risk, all right. But like, I feel like he needs to take this risk. I feel like uh, because fighting lads like that. You know, you're you're kind of on a hiding to nothing because if you go out and smash him in five minutes, you know everyone says okay, good win, or you know two minutes, everyone says good win. But who's who's this guy? You know, he lost an own guy, I believe, in his last fight, and he go out and you fight for fifteen minutes, and you know it's it was a close fight, and then what does that do for you? You know, your stock hasn't really risen at all. So I think like if you go out and be Paul Redmond, I think people know who Paul Redmond is. He's a UFC veteran. People know how good he is. Even if you go, you know, if you go out there and you beat him, it's absolutely brilliant. If you go out there and have a close fight, and and lose, maybe you can get the rematch or whatever. You know, it's it's. I feel like it's a good fight. I feel like it's a, it's a good maybe a come in. The first time at fifty five in a, in a long time as well. I believe it will be making that cut fight in Redmond. I don't know if that's worth the risk. Like I'd enjoy, I'd definitely be a good fight. I look forward to it, and it'd probably be a really good fight, but. I don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah, I, maybe you know, it mightn't be the right fight, but I think the step up is needed. And I think you know, some of the you know, some of the undercard fights here, I thought they were good matchmaking. I thought Norbert Navigny versus Will Flory was a tough a tough fight for Will Flory. One hundred percent, he obviously lost that. We we'll, we'll get into it more. I thought Danny Nyland versus Camila Riverola was good matchmaking. Um, you know, Richie Smullen against Sean Tobin. Okay, he won that pretty easily, but that was Richie uh, Sean Tobin's a tough fight uh, as well for him. Uh, Carl Moore, Lee Chadwick, that was good matchmaking. Phil Mulpeter versus Keith McCabe, that was good as well. Dylan Logan, Adam Gustav, obviously, you know, the, the uh, opening the card as well. So, you know, I, I criticise him, uh, most of it was grand, like. But I think if Callan Elnor had said on the card, it would have looked a lot better. If Lawrence Fitzpatrick had said on the card, it would have looked a lot better as well. But uh, there was just, you know, that bit as well. But I suppose we'll, we'll get to the Queely stuff in a minute. But let's talk about Richard Kiley, Michael Vinn and Beige. What did you think of that and, and the whole week with, with Richard Kiley and MVP? Yeah, well, I, I really enjoyed <laughs> the interview with you, with you and Kylie. It was very funny. Uh, I, th- I think he, like, obviously he was he was annoyed at what you said, but I think he was like he didn't take it too far or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you handled it well as well. But I think, uh, yeah, you got to, as you said in the interview, you, you got to give your opinion. Like this is the whole point of the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to give our opinions. And that's what people ask us questions for. They want to hear our opinions on things, and you gave your opinion and. He disagreed, and that's normal. Like you know, fighters are a sensitive bunch sometimes, especially when you say they're they're going to lose. Like so, it's completely understandable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual fight, like um, Paige, just just well, yeah, I was going to say completely dominated, but he got a point taken, <laughs> and there was probably 
uh, I don't know if that's technically Kylie leading or or in a draw when when the finish happened, but I think that that point being taken was was a bit ridiculous. Uh, like this is kind of what Page has always done. He's always showboated extremely extre- uh, to extreme levels in in the case. I don't think this was any extra or anything like that. I don't like I don't, I don't see like you see much you see much more egregious fouls happen and points not be taken. So I think that was very harsh. Yeah, but, um, Kylie got fined. Kylie got fined a grand as well for uh, putting up his middle finger, which you know I thought was, you know I thought was a bit harsh. Yeah, it was like why you why you find the guy for doing that? Like it's you know MVP is they're you know bringing him up as well for doing something as well. But I just I thought it was a bit you know it was a fight. Let him you know let him fight like fucking hell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? what about the point? I was I thought that was that was ridiculous. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was kind of stupid. You know he was joking. So like he, an MVP kind of cut a promo on Dan Mergliata afterwards as well, saying you know that he called. I think he said he called him a piece of shit or something, and that he told him like take off his sunglasses at one stage backstage and things. And MVP is like this is. You know, this is entertainment and stuff as well. It's not just fighting. And why is he talking shit about me? But yeah, it's yeah. not Dan's place. I just shut up and ref the fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I hate as you know. I've t- t- said about Mark Goddard before. I think he's you know probably the second best referee in the world. But he'd probably be the best if he didn't talk so much. <laughs> you know, I just and that you know that's a, a bit harsh. But when you're getting to that level, you you know you, you have to be harsh. But yeah, that like Dan in that position, it feels like the way MVP was saying it. Now maybe Dan is a different story. And um, Abby from MMA Junkie asked, could we get Dan Mergliata out and interview him? You know, to ask him about it. And, you know, we didn't get that opportunity to get his side of the story. So maybe there's another side as well. But yeah, look the fight. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty dominant display. I, I thought Kylie did okay for the first minute or two. He was being, I wouldn't say defensive, but he was looking for the, the counter <laughs> as MVP was coming I forward. Know. MVP just show, throws so many feints and he's yeah. so long. And it's it's so hard to get inside. And I think it looked like Kylie was taken a bit by surprise at the start. To me, it looked like he, he maybe thought he was going to be... Uh, much more comfortable in there, not having to circle away and end up against a K. I think he, it wasn't what he expected by the, by the look of it. Do you think MVP didn't he, fight his normal game? Like I, I thought he was much more kind of straight up and maybe more of a kind of a kickboxing stance rather than a point fighting or running around. He was changing stances a little bit, but it wasn't the usual. He got into it a little bit, but from for the first maybe minute, he was kind of in a more straight up stance uh, against Kyla. But I thought. I thought he was doing yeah. okay. Maybe that's the case yeah. of like you know he he knows and nearly all of his opponents are looking to take him down as quickly as they can. But in in Kylie's case, he he thought Kylie's going to stand with me here. Or I don't I don't have much to worry about on the ground. So he 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 fought differently and in, in or he he went sooner into his into his non countering attacking mode. Yeah, and I think MVP was kind of biding his time to wait for that big attack, and. It, it all came when there was kind of that when F- Kylie kind of fell when there was a bit of a, an exchange it wasn't really a knockdown and then MVP hit him with a big shot on the ground and you could see Kylie's head kind of rocking back and I think from that point on the fight was was kind of over you know MVP on the ground was just far superior to you know on top he was just landing big shots uh, and then it got back up to the feet and obviously he landed that big knee a minute later or so and, and knocked Kylie out and, and walked away kind of a walk away knockout it was you know an unbelievable knee a really really good knee and, and he knocked him out and stuff so you know, it was kind of you know, a lot of people were saying it'd be a lot an, an easy fight for MVP, and a kind of you know, in, you know, the reality of it is, it, t- it turned out that way. And you know, he'll go on now. There's talks of him fighting Paul Daly and stuff like that. But um, yeah, look, that, that's what it was. And and Kylie thing, I like. I don't. I, I feel like I have to address it because so many people have been talking about. But I I love that interview. I didn't care. Like you know, I come on this podcast every week, and I have a bit of an argument with you. You know, I've had Kylie on five or six times before, and I've you know had the discussion with him. Like I feel like he was right in saying what he said to me now what he said to me was a, a bit misconstrued because i didn't say he'd lose in two or three minutes i said um it could be a fun fight even if it goes two or three minutes and Ky- and uh, mvp gets the knockout i still think it'll be a fun fight you know that's like you know if jds fought ingano and said oh, i think it's going to do go two or three minutes and i think it'll be a fun fight you know even if uh, ingano gets a knockout I, that's not saying he's going to get knocked out you know that's <laughs> saying i think it'll be a fun fight for that um, he also said I said he was underrated and then took it back. I actually did the opposite, but I, like I don't mind. That wasn't something I'm going to say to him. You know, if you know, it's 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 weird as well because when I'm saying things, it's very unpersonal. You know, I said what I think about fighter A versus fighter B, but you know, fighter A is the name and he's called Richard Kiley, and it's he's listened to me talking about him. You know, it's very very different as well. And when you kind of haven't been in the spotlight for that long, you know, this was only his fifth fight and he's not around the game that long. And there hasn't been that much coverage of him, you know, and this fight is an absolutely huge fight. And I suppose he, you know, he sees me, a fellow who's interviewed him a few times before. Maybe he thinks that I'd be a bit nicer to him and stuff. Like, but, 
that's not me and I, I'll never do that I will if I not taste, here to make friends John, <laughs> I am like I, I've no problem being friends but I'll t- I tell my friends the truth all the time I, I'm a bigger dickhead to my best friends than I am to my worst enemy like that's just the sort of person I am like I, I've always said you know when and that's why I don't really like interviewing people I'm not much of an interviewer to be honest and I, I just have a, there was no one else to do it so I, I, I think there's a bit of it, though I think there's a bit with, with Carly that he knows us he knows that yeah. like you, 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 this isn't going to like intimidate you or make you feel bad he knows you can take it you know mm-hmm. maybe if it was somebody else who was a bit more a bit more fragile or take themselves too seriously he, he probably you know it's a bit it's a, I think there's a bit of he knows that you can dish it out and take it no problem he's been on the podcast with you doing that similar kind of thing like you know when he when he was talking about retiring, we were slagging him, being like, "Yeah, right." Yeah. Like you know, it was basically the whole interview was just laughing at him, saying, "You're not retired, mate." Like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just he knows that we can kind of handle that kind of banter or back and forth. Like, it's not like it, some people were replying, being like, "Oh, it's terrible," or whatever. But no, it's, no, it's, I loved it. Like <laughs> afterwards, yeah. uh, like I said to him, oh, "Thanks for listening to the podcast." And it was weird because because we've had him on the podcast before. It's like halfway through the interview, I thought I genuinely thought he was joking because you know we'd have a bit of banter back and forth. And then he was like, what are, you, what are you smiling for? And I was like, oh, he's not joking. And I was like, all right, fair enough. And so, like, it, it, the weirdest thing for me about that was the interview to me, it started and ended. And I went up to you and was like, ah, oh, geez, that was a bit mad, lads. And then, you know, I put it out and people are like saying different things about it and were like shocked. And it was like, oh, you did, you know, you both did very well. Or, you know, you know Kylie did bad, Sean did bad. He was shitting himself, you know, whatever. To me, the reaction to that was very odd. And not, it's got nothing to do with me, but the reaction to that, like, with two people having an honest conversation or having an honest interview and people being shocked by that. Like, the feelings could have got hurt, Sean, come on. <laughs> Think about the feelings. The feelings, yeah. But that's, to me, is, isn't that very odd? That That's something that's out of... Well, it, it is. A, it's a, not an MMA problem. It's a world problem where people are afraid to say anything in case of hurting people's feelings or the backlash that may come. Yeah. Oh, you're a bad person because you voiced your opinion that isn't the opinion of the masses. Yeah, it's... It's, very, it's like it was. I found that very, very odd. Like I was talking to Richard afterwards as well. Like no problem. I have, I'll have a chat with him. And he's like, like I, I find that. And very he was joking odd. to me, being like, "Oh, don't, I haven't forgotten about you. You're an exit." Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like it's very funny. Like. Yeah, but even at the end of the interview, I was like, "Oh, thanks for listening to the podcast." He was like, "I continue to listen to it." Like so, I when he said, "You know, it's not in personal renting," I like I fully believe that he didn't like my opinion on on that. He didn't like my analysis. He thought I was wrong. You know, fair enough. And th- I hate don't I hate this shit. Don't be tweeting him saying, "Oh, you know, Sean's right. You need to apologize to him." Because I, first of all, I didn't say what he said. I said, <laughs> so he's actually made me look right, even though I'm not right because I didn't say that. And I said MVP would win, no problem uh, with that. So I was writing that, but I, I didn't say he'd get knocked out in two or three minutes. I just didn't like. Um, so yeah, that was great. Look, I, I, I'm absolutely no yeah, problem. Exactly. With sure. What would you know? <laughs> exactly. I've, I've no problem with him anyway. I don't think he's any problem with me anyway. So. Yeah, you know, that's that anyway. It was, a, it was a great interview. Hopefully I'll interview him again. If he, He'll probably retire again, actually, will he? After this? And come back in like six months? Yeah, probably. It's MMA. Yeah, Another one of your interviews, actually, though, uh, with Dave Green, he uh, was, like he kind of explained why their dark matches are... <laughs> their dark matches, obviously, you were there and didn't didn't have to not see the, the fights as they happened. But mm-hmm. he explained that, like, it's a... If I remember rightly, he explained that it's a, a paramount thing where mm-hmm. they basically the deal with them says that they show it and it doesn't get shown before, and that's just the way. That's just when they wanted it on. Basically, that's that's what he told you, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Paramount have so they put the Paramount main card with Vincent Anderson in the middle of the the Bellator Dublin card. Let's say so they have like exclusivity to this card. So Sky's deal is to broadcast the Paramount. Um, uh, section of the card when they're broadcasting it. So when they broadcast it on tape delay, Sky have to broadcast it on tape delay so they don't have it beforehand or whatever. It's it's just a well, that's maybe that's not exactly, but you know what I mean. Did Paramount like have first refusal to it? So it's it's kind of odd, and uh, you know I, I asked him about like that's actually a good interview. The, you know the first one, he said a lot of good things in that interview. Uh, and I think I think he I only got an interview with him because I wrote that article saying Bellator were doing well, <laughs> and he read it. And I feel like that's the only reason I got the interview. Him, but I asked him kind of the questions I feel like I've always wanted to ask, and he he answered like Dave Green. I didn't really I don't really know him that well, but we were talking about him the other day. He's a very straight up kind of guy, isn't he? You know, he's a good guy. I think to have in that position, and he answered questions. I was even talking to him afterwards, and he seemed like you know he knows the problems, he knows the issues, and I think feel like a lot of those issues have been addressed. Okay, the the Sky portion, the Paramount portion wasn't live, but there's reasons why he explained those reasons. I feel like. They got the main card live on Virgin Media 2, which is, you know, a very big channel, obviously, in Ireland. They have the prelims now. We can watch them. We can watch all the American uh, fights live on Sky. 
they have addressed a lot of those problems, haven't they? They've, they've you know, we, we yeah. shit on better. I, I do think that the app isn't isn't oh, a great solution though for the free limbs. Yeah. It's really like watching it on my phone. Like I'm, I'm watching it, but like, ugh, can I not just watch it on a laptop or a TV? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, years is. I mean to ask him about that as well. I forgot, but yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about a few more of these fights. Right, we have to talk about Peter Creeley versus versus Ryan Scope. You know, for the first couple of rounds, Scope was was really dominating the fight. You know, he was kind of all over him. It's actually, I'm just looking here at the results. It was the end of the second round. I thought it was the third round, but it was just so insane, you know, with all the interviews and everything. I didn't know what happened, but it was insane. Scope was dominating the fight. You know, he Creeley hurt badly. There was at one stage, I think I think it was Leon Roberts referee, and I might be wrong now, but um, from my side of the cage, I could see it. There was kind of... I don't know if he not, was Queeley knocked down, but he went down to the ground. Maybe he was taken down or something. And Scope landed a big shot. And Queeley's head rocked back and he stopped for a second. And I feel like if, I, I think it was Leon Roberts. If Leon Roberts was around that side and had seen that, he would have stopped the fight. But the fact he was, and was, I'm not criticizing Leon Roberts. It happened so quickly. He was just moving around. And Queeley kind of was back by the time he got around. So he was, he could never have stopped it, never have seen it. Um, and Queeley came back, you know, he got, he took probably fucking 30 more shots after that, and then more after that, and then more after that again, and he just kind of rose from nowhere, kept going, you know, I, I spoke to Queeley a, a couple of weeks ago, and talked, you know, talking about his cardio and stuff like that, after the, or actually, it was after the, uh, the last fight, and how, you know, he keeps going, and really showed in this, and he said it afterwards, I asked him on, on Friday night, and he said, you know, whether it's good or bad, the training I've done has prepared me for this. You know, we, we talk a lot and you'll probably be able to tell people, you know, he trains a lot with Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor's, you know, we, we see videos kind of getting out there. McGregor's known for kind of beating up these sparring partners and I suppose SPG have down through the years. Artemis always spoke, talk, uh, spoken about that as well. And things like that, he said it himself, you know, have kind of prepared him for something like this and he just came through that war he refused to quit and, you know, you fucking, it was, it was one of the most incredible feats of courage and you know just balls i've ever seen live you know the carl binder one is two i feel like two of the best comebacks in mma history both happened in the same arena and two ball lads from <laughs> from from svg it was brilliant wasn't it yeah it was, it was really good and it quickly said himself in in the interview that he was never been so hurt or so rocked in his career mm-hmm. or even in training in in fights and the you know the crowd being there behind him kind of was was you know, he couldn't give up in his mind. He had to keep going and maybe he wouldn't have if, if you know, because you said, like, the fight was completely swung against him. It looked like the ref could have, could have been close to stopping it a couple of times. And, and yeah, it's 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 huge. Like, you know, it's huge for, for him. That's a big win. Like, you know, that's, that guy has just gone gone to his fifth decision with Pitbull. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that guy's no joke. Uh, and, do, you think, and like, do you think that sorry, makes it a better comeback than the Calvinger one because of the level of opponent? I think Mike King was maybe 8-0 or something at the time, was he? Or 8-1 or something? Maybe, something but like yeah, but I don't think he's as good as Ryan Scope, though. I think Ryan Scope was really yeah. good. Yeah, I think the the, the punishment Pendred took was probably yeah. bigger. Yeah, it probably was. He was almost out like four times. Was he almost choked as well? Or am I going to... There was an armbar. He was going yeah, for an armbar. Yeah, I think I went for an armbar uh, uh, one stage. Um, yeah, I think it was an armbar attempt, but, you know, Pendred and armbars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think for Queeley, like it's it's like you know he's he's had a lot of decisions in his in his career. He's 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 never been finished, and it, it, maybe that's kind of part part. If you've been finished before, maybe you think, oh, this is going that way. Maybe there's a number of things in it going through his head. Yeah. But I think the main the main thing will be like you know this is a huge fight for him. You know, if he loses this fight, like you know he's. Lost he, two in a row. Yeah. yeah, he lost two in a row. Like, where does he go from there? Like, it, like back to back to you know build himself up again, which he's done a few times after you know some decisions that have been close and gone against him. He's had to rebuild again, and that would have been probably devastating to him to to lose in that situation. And it it, it obviously meant so much to him. You could see in the in the cage, you could see in the interview, you could see even in the scrum afterwards. Like it's, it it meant the world to him. I think it's easy to forget how important this is to the individual. Like you know, this mm-hmm. is their lives. They put like Queeley, like Queeley. First time I saw him, I think it was cage contender, and he was like so raw. You know, he was being managed by John Ferguson, I think, at the time as well. He wasn't even in SBG, and he's been he's been at this for a long time. He's moved his life, you know. He's moved up to SBG. He's he's pursued this, and all the guys have. But it's easy to forget how much they put into this and how important this is to them. But you, you see how proud he was and how how happy he was uh, to to get that win. And obviously, when you're not a guy who finishes often as well, that that adrenaline or that high of, of a finish is, is all that more as well yeah de- yeah definitely was 
it was unbelievable. I think he spoke very well afterwards. And it, I, I, Richard or um, Queen is one of those guys that I wish he kind of spoke a bit more because every time he does speak, you kind of see a new side of him. He always has something to say. You know, you interview some fighters and they have nothing to say or they're giving out. Yeah, or half the time, uh, he'd probably be giving out to me about this, but half the time, he's grumpy. You know, he's, yeah. he seems, comes off as grumpy. <laughs> That's good, though. I don't, I don't, I don't mind that. You know? But I think if he, like, yeah, but I think, like, you know, if, 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 if you're in MMA and you're, you know, self promoting yourself, like, you need I to suppose, yeah. not be, you need to be more out there. And he's like, obviously, uh, people were people were were very happy for him um, that he won. People like will will get behind you if you just kind of be yourself and mm-hmm. kind of put yourself out there and and say what you think and be honest. Like and and obviously uh, you can do all that. And you have to go out and win the fight, or nobody will care. But he did that as well. So I think it was a huge night for 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 Peter Greeley. Yeah, and that walkout helped him a lot as well. <laughs> you know, that walkout gets him fans. Yeah, like what a memory for him. Like you know, as well. Like you know, yeah. that's. That's that's huge. Like you know, yeah. uh, the the crowd behind you, the the walkout tune, the, the come from behind, the celebrating with your with your friends and team in the corner afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys put put their life in MMA and never get to experience something like something like that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I just got shivers down my spine. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. Like that, the, being live for that and and the pin come back like in the in the same arena just. Just absolutely unbelievable. But um, before we move on to some of the other fights, you know, Conor McGregor obviously showed up and, you know, he was there for the, the Kiefer Crosby fight, which we've already uh, spoken about, and he was there for the, the Queely fight and the main event. I don't know. It was a bit weird. Like, just standing cage side, you know, every time the the, car, the the camera went past him, you know, he obviously he's going to be the centre of attention. You know, he's the biggest MMA fighter of all time. But I don't know. I felt like he could have just sat down in the front row and watched the fights. And let James Gallagher and Peter Coyley and Kiefer Crosby be the centre of attention. I, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not mad I don't about think, I think so, when you're, when you're somebody like Conor McGregor, you're a soluble character, you're off fights. Like, you know, he, he, we saw him at the Ultimate Fighter at fights. We see him at fights before. He's very excitable. And, and his team were, in fairness, going straight to him. These yeah. guys were like, when they win, they were going straight to him to celebrate. I don't, like, I think they, they weren't thinking, oh, he's trying to take the spotlight off. No, were, they, I'm not saying they were, but... I don't know. I, I feel I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, but I just I feel like this night, and maybe it's because I kind of built it up this way. I felt like this night was all about you know the new breed of MMA kind of going for themselves and doing well for themselves. And McGregor turning up like uh, he got a good reception, but I feel like you know Gallagher got a better reception. You know when people saw him going around, and you know Vincent Henderson got a great reception, and Will Floor and all these lads got great reception. It wasn't just on kind of the back of McGregor, and he got a good reception. I may make no doubt about that, but. I don't know. I just I would have rather if he wasn't there. To be honest, it was it was one of them. I feel like the fighters did it, were yeah, doing it for themselves. I don't know. Like he's like he's kind of good. like he, even before he was anybody, he'd go to watch his his film up it or key for all these guys fight at Palzone. You know, he'd be the same. like we have a video from Palzone where Mopeter wins a fight. McGregor's over the over the cage celebrating with him mm-hmm. before they even open the gate. Like you know what I mean? It's it's. I don't think I think it's just just normal for him to be there. If he didn't turn up, people probably say, "No, he's not supporting these guys." That's you know? true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's fucking pricks like me giving out about everything. He did try to jump the cage as well. But yeah. In fairness, no matter what you do, Sean, you're gonna be on your case. <laughs> you're yeah, and you love us be a fucking shill. So yeah, we're just we're, we're a good balance out here, aren't we? So that'd be great. Um, but yeah, um, Norbert Navinny versus Will Flory. Will Flory's a tough bastard. Jesus Christ. He, it was probably two 10-8s, you know, to start that fight. Definitely the first round, 100% to 10-8. I think Doug Crosby gave a 30-27, which was, you know, just Doug Crosby all over. But Flory came back, and that turnaround was, was close, and Navigny won it. But, you know, Flory came through the fire. And to me, Navigny is destined to be, to fight for world titles, to win world titles. I think he's going to be brilliant. Watching his last fight and watching some of the clips of him and fights of his before this fight... This guy is unbelievable, like really, really unbelievable. And you know, I don't think Will Flory loses much by losing this. Lots of people are going to lose to him. He's, he's a bit like a Fabian Edwards, I think. You know, lots of people are going to lose to him as well. And I don't think they'll be as bad as he makes him look. And you know, he didn't. Okay, for the first two rounds, he dominated Will Flory, but the third round, Will, Will came through. And you know, Navin, you got a bit tired as well. Will was obviously very tired and very hurt as well, uh, and, and came through the third round and got to for him to get the decision in that fight. After the way the first two rounds went, or the first round and a half anyway. Actually, Will nearly Will hurt him at the end of the second round. I think it was as well, which just shows you know that the balls of, of him, uh, and it was you know he got a lot out of that. But Navini, to me, one of the best prospects in the world right now. I think he's four and or is it five and all right now. Yeah, it's four and zero now. Yeah. yeah, he was. I think he was undefeated at amateur as well, and obviously very young. 
uh, long way to go. We're like, as you mentioned there, like he, he had it all his own way, but Will was just too tough. He, he didn't go away, and and then he ended up Norbert Norbert ended up getting tired. So maybe that's you know something that people can look at, and he's something he has to improve. But obviously, at four now, it's, it's four fights into his career. It's 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 coming out there and beating beating a guy like Will Flurry who has what like seven or eight wins at amateur and six wins at pro mm-hmm. yeah, coming out there and dominating well. like that like mm-hmm. against a really like we know how tough Will Fleury is against a really tough guy he showed up coming back and you know hurting him as you mentioned and possibly you know if the fight had, had a gone longer it could have been different but you, it's a learning it's a learning curve for uh, Norbert like and uh, I kind of before in the past, I'd, I'd be kind of more likely to jump on the bandwagon of this guy's one of the next best. But at this early stage, I'm kind of hesitant to do it. I'm on but it. I think he is obviously a really good prospect. But before we, I want to see some more questions questions answered before I fully jump on board. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the Norbert bandwagon. I think he'll be brilliant. I interviewed Fabian as well the other day and told him you loved him, so that was great as well. He's uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's fighting. Uh, he's fighting Mike Shipman as well, so that'd be a good fight. That's a good step up for him as well. So, um, Liam McCourt versus Kerry Hughes, another kind of easy win for Liam McCourt. Bit of striking, got the takedown, got the rear naked choke, and I think she was choked to sleep. Kerry Hughes was in the end, uh, but it was hard to see in, in the arena. But you know, another dominant display for for Liam McCourt. Like uh, speaking to her afterwards. Liz, I think, is in a weird place because she's, you know, I think she put she three and one, four and one in her career now. Um, yeah, three and, and one. And uh, you know, she obviously had that really good amateur career. She's been around training and fighting for a long time, and I feel like she's in a position where they don't have that many um, uh, uh, women's featherweights in Bellator right now. And what they have is like, you know the Kerry Hughes kind of level which is uh, uh, two or three levels below Liam McCourt and then they have a Cyborg uh, or a Julia Boat which is maybe five levels above Liam McCourt right now and I'm not saying she can't get to that you know in 10 fights or 15 fights or whatever but she's kind of stuck in this place now where she's just beating people who are not as good as her and you know she called out a couple of names last night so maybe there's a but step this up early, there, but early stage of your career it's not necessarily yeah, a bad no, thing. I, I have no problem with it but I feel like you need those steps you know, there's inclines all the time. You need, you know, you. She should be fighting someone now who's five and zero next. Then someone who's, you know, you know, seven and two. Then someone who's ten and four or something like. You know, she needs to be moving up all the time. I feel like it's hard for her to move up because there is the kind of the bottom row. The options aren't there. Yeah, yeah and the top row, and there's nothing really in between. So it's, I think it's hard to find people in between. So like, if Leah wins a couple more fights, she could be pushed into a cyborg or a Julia Bud fight. And at this stage of her career, I don't think that's the best thing in the world for her. Um, what well, I wonder what she fights Sinead Kavanagh. I wonder. What, I know she's fighting out of um, Roddy's gym, and Sinead Kavanagh's fighting out of SBG HQ. Do you think they'd fight? Um, yeah, I don't think I don't. I don't think so. They, they, they won't be clamoring to get together anyway. But it may come to it at some stage. Uh, but surely there's there's I don't know the the girls' names or whatever. But surely there's girls out there somewhere like Bellator can sign up somewhere in the world that, that for Leah to take a little step up. Um. I don't. I don't know. You always seem to want to put Irish matchups together. I'm kind of. Yeah, I, I, too, I, I but, love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're yeah. always big fights, like the Miles Price and uh, Peter Queeley fight. That was a great fight. Did uh, Peter Queeley? But it has a bit Falcon of beef fight. behind it. It makes a bit of sense, but yeah, yeah. I, I like them. Let's make them happen. I just want to be like you know when uh, Norman and Reds are fighting. It's just like oh, one of them's gonna have to lose here. Uh, yeah. I just like good fights, to be honest. I, if they're good fights, I don't mind. But you know, I'm I'm not that invested in it, I suppose. But well, I not emotionally invested in it, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, yeah, look, Leah looks good. She looks like she's improving as well. You know, she said herself in, in an interview that her first fight was, you know, a bit dodgy <laughs> or whatever, whatever way she put it. But she's definitely improving since then. Then and on the ground, she's you know dominant. All those years of training, Andrew McGann finally <laughs> finally paid off for her. But uh, very yeah, very good performance again. Franz Malamber versus Dominic Gooding, your sleeper fight at night. It, it delivered. You know, it was. Did you manage to see the fight? Did you? Was it on? It was on Sky afterwards. No, wasn't it? it wasn't. It was a dark match, and I oh, haven't got yeah, around to watching it yet. yet. Oh, just, yeah. the, when you can't watch it live, it's just and you know the result. It just it, there's no excitement to watch it. You just watch it kind of out in this because you because you want like you know you get around to watching it rather than you prioritize yeah. watching it. Yeah, this is one you have to watch. It was a very very good fight. You know, friends. 
he went for a couple of guillotine. It was funny. I was like, uh, before the fight, I was like, he's going to go for the guillotine. See how long he'll go for the guillotine. And then he went for one after like 50 seconds. And there was like a security guard in front. He just turned around and started dying laughing. But uh, yeah, he didn't get it anyway. And he managed to get back up. Every time he kind of went for the guillotine, he kind of kept a, an overhook. And then went and kind of changed around to the hand. He said afterwards he never... He defended it well. Wooding defended it well, Fran said. Uh, so he didn't get it. But I feel like he gave up and when i say give up on it i mean that as a compliment he should be given up on it you know you've talked about it loads of times but he's striking look brilliant he knocked wooding down within the first i think 20 seconds or something like that he was throwing that beautiful you know that kind of front lead bolo punch you know that mcgregor throws that almost nobody else can throw well but france threw it very well and you know he dominated really over the three rounds i think it was doug crosby gave a 10 10 in one of the rounds as well which was which is i don't know if it was doug actually someone gave a 10 10 so that was a bit mad but a very, very good win, obviously, for Franz there, and, and he's going to be uh, moving forward uh, again. Um, the dar- the kind of the dark matches then were uh, yeah, Camila Riverola versus Danny Nyland. Did, did you see that one? That was actually on Virgin Media, was it? Yeah, that was on. Yeah, that, that one was on. Uh, I, I didn't actually see much of that. I was interviewing in the background. How did that go? Yeah, it was... Uh, the, the first round was was more... Nyland was kind of figuring... figuring, figuring her out <laughs> no, I couldn't say that um, uh, uh, but once she once she did in, in the second and third uh, she just she just had too much but I think I think as you said earlier it wasn't like bad matchmaking or anything it, uh, it was a really uh, you know a good test for Danny and it's a pro debut obviously she has a bit of hype behind her after the the, the IMAS but it's different when you go to pro and it's good for her to go in there and have something different or difficult to figure out and come through that with the win. Obviously, it's not the most spectacular win, but it's it's a pro debut win and it's vital to get that one and zero as opposed to zero and one start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And look, I I think uh, Camila is a very good fighter as well. And as you said, it was a good test, and Danny, you know, she came through it very very well uh, from the beat side. Anyway, I'm gonna go back and watch it again. I haven't had a chance yet. I'm just have to come arriving back. So, uh, Kieran Clark defeated George Courtney as well, and what turned out to be the main event of the evening. You know, it was the the swing bout, and it happened after the um after the main event. So it was you know obviously difficult for both of them with everyone kind of leaving and then pulling down the set and everything. Uh, but Kieran Clark got the rear naked choke in the third round there. Richie Smullen got a rear naked choke as well over. Over Sean Tobin, obviously Richie's a very good uh, jiu-jitsu guy, and uh, you know Sean Tobin, he's kind of wrestling base. That was always going to be a tough matchup for him, but it was you know a tough matchup for Richie as well because of how good Sean is on top. But he managed to get the the choke there. Ryan Roddy as well uh, got a win back after the, I think it was his first fight in a few years, so that was a a good win back for him. Uh, the the two kickboxing lads, there was a big KO in that one, a big uh, a big knee in that one. Karen Moore, Lee Chadwick was kind of as advertised, two sh- uh, you know a slobber knocker. They got a little bit tired <laughs> in the third round, but a good. Win for Calmore getting back as well after a good bit of time out um Fillmore Peter very good win over Keith McCabe a lot of people said that was maybe the wrong decision it was a split decision I think I, a lot of people thought the Carl Moore one as well uh, I actually I'd have to go back and watch it but I I, I thought that he's probably going to lose did you the decision yeah oh yeah I don't know, I haven't had, obviously I haven't had a chance to go back and watch them and it's hard. You know, Sometimes you're more critical of, of Irish guys when you're watching Maybe, them and you're yeah. expecting more from them or something like that. Like you need to go back and watch them to, to support them properly. But I think, yeah, I, I thought the decision was going to go the other way. But I, what you think I wouldn't the, say it was the wrong decision without going back and watching it properly. Yeah, what do you think of the Mo Peter McCabe one? Mm, it was another close one, but I think I, yeah, I think Mo Peter did enough. Uh, I thought the commentators were kind of talking up, or you didn't hear the commentators probably, yeah. but I think the commentators were, were talking up how big the, shot, the punches were from McCabe. They... Maybe it's because I know Mopit has taken so many big shots in the past, but I think he got takedowns at good times and probably just edges it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought Mopit just did enough, but I thought Ian Cocklin won that fight against uh, Costi. I thought that was bad judging, to be honest. I, I think he was going for submissions all the time. You know, Costi was getting on top and he was doing well with the takedowns and stuff, but as we know, they shouldn't be scoring as much as someone going for submission attempts or hitting them with strikes. He was landing a few elbows as well and stuff. And Wasn't I thought there a thirty twenty seven in there as well. There was a thirty twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, was... I heard thirty twenty seven. I thought I thought oh, it was nearly definitely not going to be Costi now, but yeah. I thought it was a very close fight, and I thought they probably were going to give it to Costi, but just because they, that's kind of what they usually do when the guys wrestling. But uh, yeah, it was very very close. Bing Carl should be having fucking fits at home listening to this, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Dylan Logan got a very good triangle choke against Adam Gustav as well. Uh, that was you know he was very excited going around afterwards as well. His fan, his uh, his fans and his friends went fucking insane and and stuff in the crowd. So he's a good backing as well behind him. And uh, Jake Headley then got a win over um, over Blaine O'Driscoll by a uh, submission. That was a very good fight, a high level fight as well. I thought, but um, I suppose the one fight we haven't talked about was um, 
Uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier on, but Vincent Henderson versus uh, Miles Jury, kind of the main event of the Bellator 227 card. Because it was a bit of an odd card, you know, or an odd fight. And where Vincent Henderson was talking about it afterwards as well, uh, in that, you know, he was winning the fight and he came out and I think he was throwing big bombs and he was trying to put on a show for the, for the uh, fans. But I think he realized that, you know, Miles is a tough guy, you know, and he's... He can take those big shots, but he's also elusive and he won't be hit by as many of them. And Benson's just kind of maybe wasting his energy. And he said afterwards in in the scrum that he you know, he kind of realized that. And he's in a fight that is kind of a knockout, uh, kind of a drawn out battle over uh, over three or five rounds. And that like a, a bit, uh, maybe through the first and second round, it turned into like just a kind of a back and forth rather than kind of a, uh, you know, a heavy brawly type of uh you know high octane sort of fight and he said he was kind of disappointed and he wants to fight in ireland again but like Benson, i mentioned earlier he just seemed like so happy through all the, all week talking about being in ireland and you know fighting in front of the irish fans and he says he wants to come back obviously and fight in ireland again but yeah i thought he won that one um i thought he won won that one clearly enough but you know it was good to see him miles jory miles jory yeah I, like i don't yeah. know did you i talked to you during the week about what you thought his voice sounded like and before the fight when you were talking to him afterwards did you, did you notice any kind of... I didn't notice... On Wednesday talking to him, I didn't notice it. And last night talking to him, I didn't notice it. But someone said it, and you said it as well. And I went back and I watched the video. And he did, you know, he did sound a bit weird uh, on the video. But in person, I literally didn't notice it at all. So, I'm, I don't know. I listened, I watched Pete's video as well, and he sounded weird as well. So, I'm, I, it wasn't just my shit audio or anything like So, I don't know. Yeah, but it was a bit... Uh, I think he's always, you know, spoken a bit like that. Um... But yeah, I don't know. What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was usually I, like I wouldn't notice stuff like that. Other people would point it out, but uh, it did seem a couple of times like it seemed more at, at at certain stages than others where he was slightly slurring his words. Uh, obviously, he's been in a lot, <laughs> a lot of minutes and inside a lot of cages and over the years and in gyms and stuff. So maybe that's it. Hopefully, it's it's nothing too bad. But I thought maybe you know he might have been concussed recently or something like that uh, in training or something. Maybe something like that coming into the fight, but um, it didn't affect him in, in getting the victory. So yeah, yeah, he looked yeah he looked look, he looked good and he looked as as good as ever. He told me during the week that he's as as good now or better than he was when he was UFC champion. So yeah, I think he's won his last four in a row. So he's probably close to the title shot again. So you know, maybe they maybe they bring that to Ireland. Dave Green was talking about bringing um a, a title fight to Ireland. So maybe that maybe that will happen. But uh, I suppose overall, you know. Still, still a little bit to criticise about it with the, the the some of the matchmaking, but a lot of that was because of injuries and stuff as well. But you can criticise the crowd, you can criticise the performance of James Gallagher in, in the main event. Um, you know, Peter Quealy, one of the best comebacks we've ever seen in MMA. Maybe not the best comeback, even though we've seen in that arena, but right up there with that as well. And you know, it's some good finishes. Uh, Richie Smullen, Dylan Logan, uh, with with lovely submissions, that big uh, KO in the foot boxing match. Uh, and uh, you know to see a world class fighter like uh, like Vincent Henderson fighting as well, you know all round very very good, very very enjoyable. Great to cover. Great to meet all the media members above there, Abby and Simon Head and uh, Pizzi and all the boys. So Nine McGrand, Graham nowhere to be seen, leaving the leaving us all behind. Fuck's sake, never liked you. Anyway, Graham, any final words on the on the card? We'll be back for another podcast anyway tomorrow. So if you have any more questions or anything after this, and we'll talk, we can talk another bit about it if you want. So. Graham, how are you? Yeah, busy week. We, were, we said we were going to do a half an hour. We ended up doing an hour, but yeah. there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of fights in that card and a, a, a lot of Irish interest. So obviously it went went a bit long, but uh, yeah. I think there was, there was a lot to cover. That's it. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, I'll give the inspiration quote on the next one because I don't have one prepared right now and I can't be looking it up. Oh, sure. Um, we forgot to mention Liverpool won again. The, yeah, you've poxy. Fuck <laughs> me. I didn't have Salah as my uh, captain anyway. I have Tammy Abraham, so I'm happy enough anyway. He didn't score, so great. Right. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you for another podcast tomorrow or Monday. Uh, send us in your questions at Severe Med Pod. Uh, sign up Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Med Podcast. The Gibson Hotel cost me like two years of Patreon. So if uh, I need more and more people to sign up so I can go to the next fucking <laughs> event in the in the online world, so. It's terrible, terrible what happened to the pod god. Yeah, po- hashtag pod god. Right. Good luck. Bye.